Hello everyone, my name is Daryl. I am the Evangel Coach, a gospel minister who is an executive coach, an executive coach who is a gospel minister. I am the producer and the host of the Evangel Coach Podcast, the primary communication platform of Daryl SRV Inc., a global community change agent, leading transformations of diverse communities of people worldwide by impacting with influence, beliefs and behaviors, mindsets and motivations, paradigms and practices, via various virtual platforms and stages. Thank you so much for leaning in to listen to this episode of the Inclined to Improve series of Brief Bible Workshops. Today's episode is the first of several segments that will consider Christ as coach. The biblical text for this segment is Matthew chapter 19, verses 16 through 30, as well as Mark chapter 10, verses 17 through 28, and Luke chapter 18, verses 18 through 30. I will read the Lucian account because Luke seems to capture all elements of this transformative interaction between Jesus and a contemporary ruler of the Jewish synagogue of the day. Before I delve into the depths of this text, however, which is rich in theology, doctrine, and practical application, let me explain the title of this segment and those that follow, Christ as Coach. As I mentioned at the outset of each recording of the Evangel Coach podcast, I am a gospel minister and an executive coach. So coaching principles and practices leap from the page and grasp my attention as I read, reflect upon, and study scripture. Such was the case with this story in a great way. Additionally, don't leave this listening opportunity thinking, this is not for me, because it is. As you continue to listen to the Evangel Coach podcast, you will learn that coaching is not only a profession, but it is a profitable practice for every person. At home, with family, as you interact with friends, and even as you deal with adversaries. Most importantly, this account of Jesus and the rich young ruler reveals rich truths about God, Christ, humanity, and eternal life. So let's look at this text. Get your Bible and turn to the Gospel according to St. Luke. The Gospel according to St. Luke, chapter 18. And I'm going to begin reading at the 18th verse. A ruler questioned him, saying, Good teacher, what shall I do to to inherit eternal life? But Jesus said to him, Why do you call me good? No one is good except God alone. You know the commandments. Do not commit adultery. Do not murder. Do not steal. Do not give false testimony. Honor your father and your mother. And he said, all these things I have kept since my youth. Now, when Jesus heard this, he said to him, one thing you still lack. Sell all that you possess and distribute the money to the poor. And you will have treasure in heaven and come, follow me. 
But when he had heard these things, he became very sad, for he was extremely wealthy. And Jesus looked at him and said, How hard it is for those who are wealthy to enter the kingdom of God. For it is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich person to enter the kingdom of God. Those who heard him say that and said to him, and so who can be saved? But he said, the things that are impossible with people are possible with God. Amen. Amen. So let's let's go back and just look at this text line by line and and precept by precept. So the rich young ruler came to Jesus saying, "Good teacher, what shall I do to inherit eternal life?" So First of all, look at who this is who is approaching Jesus. He is rich, he is young, and he is a ruler of the synagogue of that day. This is a very important, influential person who is coming to Jesus. And the first thing that we want to recognize is that Jesus is aware of this rich young ruler's presence. He's aware of the rich young ruler's presence and he is aware of his own presence. This is an important coaching principle and practice that as we are interacting with individuals, if we are to interact with them in an effective fashion, then it's important for us to interact with them based upon where they are at and how they come to us. Listen, you all, the best way to deal with anyone in whatever arena you're dealing with them, on the job, in your home, with your family, with friends, the best way to deal with anyone is to be aware of where that person is at as you are dealing with that person. The Bible says elsewhere that we ought to esteem others higher than we esteem ourselves. So listen, the most effective way to interact with people, the most effective way to communicate with individuals, the most effective way to build relationships is to kind of be able to put yourself on the back burner as compared to the person that you're dealing with and put that person in the forefront where they're at, where they're dealing with uh, or what they're dealing with, what they may need at that moment. Recognize that person's presence. So this rich young ruler comes to Jesus. Now, keep in mind here that Jesus is different than you and I would be able to be in an instant like this, 
because he's God. He is omniscient. He knows everything. There's nothing that he does not know. And so he knows where this young man came from physically. He knows where this young man is at theologically, philosophically. He he knows how this young man thinks. He knows what this young man's attitude is at the moment that he approaches him. Jesus knows this about him because Jesus is God. But it is also important for you and I to be diligent about these same factors as we're dealing with people on a daily basis. Um, And especially when it comes down to kingdom building, to uh, building relationships with people in order to invite them into the kingdom. It's important that you be able to make them the most important person in your interaction with them. So as I was saying, you have to go through more effort than what Jesus had to go through, but it is important to do so, that you try to ascertain, you try to to learn where is the person that you are communicating with and that you are dealing with, where are they at? Because if you if you realize where they're at, once you determine where they're at, then that'll help you to know how to respond to them. Far too often, you all, as we interact with individuals, we're still thinking about ourselves. Have you ever been in a conversation with someone and You hear them talking about themselves for most of the conversation. You cannot help, you cannot benefit anyone if your primary concern and consideration in any conversation is yourself. Let the other person be most important for a moment. Esteem others higher than you esteem yourself. Keep this in mind now that the first thing that I see from Jesus here as it relates to this rich young ruler coming to him and asking him a question is that Jesus is aware of his own divine presence And he's aware of the rich young ruler's presence. How do we know that? How do I know that? The the rich young ruler came to him and he said, Good teacher, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus did not just immediately give him an off-the-cuff answer. Jesus said to him, why do you call me good? Wow, what a great question for the moment. 
Why do you call me good? That question is packed with with information. That question is packed with intuition. That question is, I mean, skillfully, it is skillfully inquisitive. Because listen to what Jesus knew about the rich young ruler as well as what he knew about himself. This this rich young man was a ruler of a Jewish synagogue. He did not believe that Jesus was God. He did not. The, 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 the Jews of that day did not believe that Jesus was God. They did not believe in his divinity. They did not accept him as the son of God. And so he comes to Jesus and he says, good teacher, where Jewish people believed and understood that there was only one good being in all of the universe. And that was God. Only God is good. No man is good. Only God is good. And so when this young man comes to Jesus, not believing that Jesus is God and only believing that God is good, and he says, good teacher, immediately Jesus knows that this young man is coming from coming to him from a place of dishonesty. He's coming to him from a place of not being completely transparent. He's coming to Jesus uh, from a place of wanting to accomplish something that is not completely pure. He says, good teacher, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? So Jesus knows where the young man is coming from. But then Jesus, of course, is also aware of who he is. Jesus knew that he was the only begotten son of God. He knew that before becoming flesh and dwelling amongst men for the benefit of men, that he existed beforehand in heaven with the Father. Jesus knew who he was. Jesus knew that he was God. He knew that. And so being aware of who he was and aware of who this gentleman was helped him to best interact with this young man. And so you all, as you interact with people, and as I said earlier, especially for the purpose of bringing them into the kingdom, especially for the purpose of, of building the church, 
especially for the purpose of being a disciple maker, which is every one of our responsibility who is a believer, all of us have the responsibility to interact with people in order to cause them to become disciples. Our job is to be disciple makers who make disciples, who are disciple makers, who make disciples, who are disciple makers. That's how you grow the the kingdom. And so as we interact with people in order to grow the kingdom, in order to have great family relationships, in order to have great friend relationships, in order to have great uh, relationships uh, professionally, as we interact with people, let's be aware of their presence as well as our presence. Take the time to sit where they sit. Take the time to try to feel what they feel. Take the time to try to experience a little bit of what they experience daily in their lives. If you're a Bible reader, you may remember the story in the book of Ezekiel when God tells Ezekiel to go down into a valley filled with dry bones and prophesy unto them. And a key lesson that we learn from that account is that God wants us in order to be able to be the greatest benefit to humanity. He wants us to be able to go and sit where people sit. You can be of best and greatest value to someone when you're willing to sit where they sit. It doesn't do anybody any good, not much good for you to stand afar off and point fingers at people. To stand afar off and to accuse people. And if anybody could have done that, it could have been Jesus Christ, for he was sinless. He was without fault. He was perfect. And yet he took the time to meet this young rich ruler where the young rich ruler was, not to denigrate, not to put down, but to try to help this young man. Let's, let's go on further and you'll understand that, that, that Jesus is, is working to be savior right here. He's, he's, his intention is to help this, this young man to have a great existence and eternity. Look at him, look at him. So he says, he says, he says, why do you call me good? No one is good except God alone. But you know the commandments. Do not commit adultery. Do not murder. Do not steal. Do not give false testimony. Honor your father and your mother. 
Now look at Jesus' answer. Now, now we know that, that Jesus knows the gospel story. Jesus knows that you don't have eternal life because of what you do or don't do. You have eternal life because of what you believe. You have eternal life because you have accepted Jesus as the only begotten son of God as your savior and you have not rejected Jesus. You know that Jesus knows this. And yet Jesus says to him, you know the commandments and he lists off the the commandments and the second set of five commandments. He lists off to him. And so why did Jesus do that? He did that based upon how the young man came to him. For the young man came to him and said, good teacher, what must I do? What shall I do? The young man came to him based upon legalism. He came to him based upon the legalism that the Jewish people were trapped in. He he came to him based upon wanting to do work well enough to be in the good, good graces of God. He came to him based upon what he could do, not what he believed. If the young man had come to Jesus based upon what he believed, he most likely would not have said, what must I do to be saved? He most likely would have come to him like so many others came to Jesus And said, perhaps, Jesus, thou son of David, have mercy on me. He may have come to him and said, Jesus, I know that if you will touch me, then I can be healed. He would have come to him in a different way. Jesus, I believe that you can give me eternal life. Instead of this, he comes to him and he says to him, what must I do? And so, since he came to Jesus based upon what he must do to receive eternal life, then Jesus proceeds to try to help the young man based upon where he was and how He was coming to Jesus. And let me say this to you who are listening right now. And that is that it's so important that you realize for yourself, how is it that you are coming to God? Even right now, how do you come to God? How 
Are you establishing your relationship with God? Are you trying to establish your relationship with God based upon what you believe? Or are you trying to establish your relationship with God based upon what you do? And as you'll find out with this young man, and I hope I'm not saying this prematurely, uh, but what you'll find out as this young man did, if you're coming to God based upon what you do or what you don't do, it's not going to work out very well. And so, listen, whether you are a professional coach or you are just a everyday average person in the kingdom or outside of the kingdom, decide right now, how are you going to come to God? Are you going to come to God based upon your doing or are you going to come to God based upon your believing? Listen, you all, if you come to him based upon your your doing, be honest with yourself. You're going to fall short. If you come to him based upon your doing, be honest Although you may be doing well in so many ways, you're not doing well in every way. There are some ways that you're failing miserably and you know God will not be pleased with your doing. Also, if you've listened to this podcast for any time or If you've read your Bible and you've studied God's word, you know that by grace are we saved through faith. And that is a gift of God. It is not according to works. Least any man should boast. We are not saved by what we do, but we are saved by what we believe to as many as received Christ as believed that he was the son of God he gave them the right the privilege to become the sons of God there's only one way to be saved There's only one way to please God. There's only one way to receive eternal life. And it is by faith. The the Bible says it is impossible, in fact. As good as you may think you are, as refined as you may think you are, it is impossible to please God without faith. The Bible also says that anything, in fact, that is done outside of faith, not by faith, is sin. And the wages 
of sin is death. But listen, the gift of God for believing, the gift of God to believers is eternal life. So listen here, as Jesus helps this this young man. Now, this is called Christ as coach because Christ here shows us flawlessly what a coach can do to help people with whatever their problem may be. And that is that with a question, Jesus begins to initiate exploration and discovery on the part of this rich young ruler. Why do you call me good? No one is good except God alone. You know the commandments. Do not commit adultery. Do not murder. Do not steal. Do not give false testimony. Honor your father and your mother. Now listen to this rich young ruler. Do you believe it? And he said, all these things I have kept since my youth. Now, I don't know. I was not able, of course, to follow this, this young man every step of the way and see his every action. Of course, God knows his every action. So I'm not going to accuse him of not being completely truthful. But let me ask you, and I'm asking myself as well, could I come to Jesus based upon what I have done and what I do do, expecting to receive the great gift of eternal life? There are over 600 commands that God gives that a person must do if you're going to be obedient based upon your doing. And I can speak for myself. Even for these few commands that Jesus mentions here, I have already fallen short many times. How about yourself? How about yourself? How have you done? How how do you measure up as far as your doing goes? What kind of exploration and discovery would this question cause within yourself? How good have you been? How well have you done? Listen, this 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 rich young ruler says, I've done all these things since my youth. And when Jesus heard this, he said to him, one thing you still lack. Oh, wow. One thing you still lack. 
And listen, whenever you come to God based upon your goodness, whenever you come to him based upon your behavior instead of your belief, anytime you come to him based upon your your practices instead of your faith. Anytime you come to him based upon your goodness as opposed to his goodness and grace, you will always come up short. You will always fall short. You will always still lack something. For the Bible says that all sin and fall short of the glory of God. And so Jesus says, one thing you still lack. Sell all that you possess. Now, That was Jesus bottom lining. And before I go any further, that's a a coaching term called bottom line. Jesus said to him, bottom line, even if you have done all of these things as well as you say that you have, you still lack one thing. Bottom line, that's open That's honest communication. That's the best way to help people is to be honest, not to lie to them, not to tell them what you think they want to hear or what you know that they want to hear. It's not always the most helpful to be the most gentle. It's not always the most helpful to be what one would consider the nicest. Sometimes in order to help someone, you have to apply what they used to call tough love. Sometimes you you have to apply the bottom line truth. Jesus says, okay, you say that you've done these things since your youth. My guess would be that he had a little bit of faulty recollection, that he had a little bit of forgetfulness in his memory. But Jesus says, "Let's, let's, let's bring it forefront. Let's bring it to today. And the best way to help someone, you all, is not to dwell consistently and constantly upon their past. Everybody has a past that they are not all that proud of. Everybody has a past that they wish they had done a lot differently. To help people bring it to the forefront, to help people bring it to the present, to help people bring it into the now. That is a very key principle in coaching. We as professional coaches, we don't spend a whole lot of time looking into the past. That's what counselors do. 
Coaches are now counselors. Coaches are coaches. And coaches deal with the present moving into the future. Coaches help people to advance beyond where they are at presently to a pursued place of where they want to be. They don't spend a whole lot of time on where you have been. And I mean, I think that that is in line with God's will. He put our eyes in the front of our head because that's primarily where we need to focus is where we are going and not so much on where we have been. There is some value in recognizing that where you have been, you don't want to go back to. Once you realize that truth, move forward. And so Jesus says to him, okay, okay. Um, So uh, you still lack one thing in order to resolve that go and give all that you possess to the poor and then come back and, and follow me. And this young man's countenance immediately dropped because this interaction with Jesus from the intuitive inquisition all the way to this point of this bottom line communication caused this young man to go within himself and realize how much he was not willing to give up in order to get what he believed he wanted from Jesus. Now listen, somebody would say, well, you said that eternal life is not based upon what we do. You said eternal life is based upon what we believe. But now understand this, and that is that what you believe is revealed by what you are willing to do. Help me, somebody. What you believe is revealed by what you are willing to do. I know this for a fact. Let me just let me just highlight a couple of things that God has has blessed me to get better at. I'm still not good. Far from it. Far from it. Far from as excellent as I want to be or as God would have me to be. But but let's look at this. So I learned years ago that when my enemies came at me to do wrong things to me, that I would be better served to allow God to take care of my enemies. I would be better served to allow God to fight my battles than for me to try to do it myself. Because when I try to do it myself, I mess everything up. It does not work out well for me. Not only that, because I believe that God is God, then I believe 
what his word says. His word says, vengeance is mine, saith the Lord. I also believe what his word says is that the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but they are powerful. They are mighty to the pulling down of strongholds. And so my beliefs cause me to handle things differently now. When my enemies come against me, they don't seem to have much of a fight from me. But I can tell you that I have seen some of them have to really deal with some difficult things as a result of coming against one of God's children. And I'm sure that you too may have some testimonies like that. But I had to to learn how to respond to those situations based upon what I believed. And so what you believed will be revealed by what you do. You are not saved by what you do. You don't receive eternal life by what you do. You don't receive the favor of God by what you do. But by what you believe. And what you believe is revealed by what you do. Listen to what Jesus says finally. And this has been a long segment. Um, but I pray that you have been blessed by the information delivered in this segment. And so when, when the young man, as well as Jesus's disciples, the other evangelists make us aware of Matthew and Mark, when they heard what, what, what Jesus said, their response was a question, um, how can we be saved? Because because Jesus said, he said that it is very, very hard for those who are wealthy to enter the kingdom of God. And those that heard him said, then who can be saved? And he said, it is impossible with man to be saved but all things are possible for God and so a man does not have the ability to do what it takes to be saved a man does not have the ability to do what it takes to earn eternal life it is impossible for man to do anything to go to heaven. It is impossible for man to do anything to enter the kingdom of God. But although it's impossible for man, it is possible for God. And so when you place your faith in God, to handle your eternity and your eternal life, then eternal life 
and all that eternal life includes becomes possible for you. But if you are trying to do it yourself, it's impossible. You're fighting a losing battle. Listen, will you please subscribe so that you will be notified of future episodes of the Evangel Coach Serial Podcast, this series and um, this um, these segments of um, episodes around um, Christ as Coach. Um, go on and subscribe and you will be notified when God is saying something else through the Evangel Coach that may be beneficial to you. Um, and also, if you will subscribe, then you will be notified when you can go to your favorite podcast listening platform, such as Apple Podcast or Google Podcast or Stitcher Podcast, and listen to this podcast at your leisure. I'm looking forward to the next time when we will talk about Christ as coach. Be blessed.